What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-hosts, Matt and Lando, as well as our tech producer, Keys. The Braves are World Series champions for the first time since I was born. Back in 1996, a major Georgia sports team has won a world championship, and this podcast is absolutely electric. We have our reactions to the big win, along with reactions to the first college football playoff rankings. And then to end things off with our pour one out, cut them off segment, and our locks and picks of the week. Hope you guys enjoy. Matt, your voice sounds atrocious i wonder why uh that would be because the atlanta braves are world champions and i have never in my life been this happy aside, Wait. aside <laughs> from the birth of my children <laughs> and the day of my marriage. as he holds his child <laughs> your uh your, your wife doesn't listen to the podcast does she <laughs> <laughs> so so funny story so last night last out gets made i literally start crying she's like Come here, give me a hug. I give her a hug. And I was like, this is the happiest moment of my life besides our marriage and the birth of our children. <laughs> she was like, nice yeah. save, babe. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> she knows. Or else you would have been sleeping outside. Yeah, it would have been bad. But, man, you know, the, vo- the voice actually left after Friday night. I went down there Friday. I was at the battery for the game on Friday. Um, and then it had kind of got come back. But then... Sunday night, I went ballistic whenever they called Altuve safe at second when he was clearly out on replay. I went ballistic. I screamed at the TV, and then Monday I couldn't talk at all. So it's, it, I'm actually improved from where I was. No, yeah, I was going to say your your voice sounds a lot like mine did after Sunday because Whit and I went down to the battery on, on Sunday, and it was a great time. We had a really good time, but – we were doing so much shouting, especially after uh, Duvall hit hit that um that grand slam in the in the first. It was the first inning, right? Yeah, the first inning, bottom grand. of the first. Yeah, Dude, the that, bar went crazy. Whole it place went nuts. nuts. You would have thought we won the World Series right there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it felt like we were going to. I mean, and and you've got to think if Charlie Morton's healthy, we win that in five games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, definitely win that win that in five games. But I what I will say, Max Fried pitched like a madman yesterday. He he was he was wheeling and dealing. I mean Peyton and 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 he was benefiting from what he was doing because there was one strikeout in particular where it was clearly a ball, but he was pitching so well that the umpire was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna give it to him. That, that's a strike. We saw the last strike of the inning was his fastest pitch he's ever thrown. Oh really? Really? I, I didn't see like that. 98, 99? It was ninety eight, ninety nine. It was ninety eight point four, I believe. He was he wow. was on it. I really wanted him to go to the full nine. I honestly did not think they were going to pull him when they did. And I remember, I think Matt put in our group message. He was like, he's like, I'm really upset they just pulled Freed. I was like, they're not going to pull Freed. Freed only has like seventy pitches through six innings. And they were all, I, I didn't realize they were all hugging him and everything. And then I saw it. I was like, dang, that sucks. I'm glad I'm not the only person that, that was thinking I wanted Max to go all nine. Because I, I was going to put it in, in the group matches, like, does Max go all nine? But I didn't want it to seem like, like, a, like dumb. But, yeah, I, I wanted him to go all nine. I was kind of upset that, that they pulled him. But then again, hey, the bullpen came in huge. Yeah, the bullpen was huge all playoffs. I mean, 
it was hilarious because during the regular season, we lost so many games because of how bad the bullpen was. Um, even A.J. Minter, who was just completely lights out in the playoffs, he was not great the regular season until uh, the end of the year. He was in AAA in July. Yeah, he got sent down, didn't he? Yeah, he got sent down in June or July, and he was he was awful. And I, it, it, the deadline, part of me was like, trade him for something. Trade him for a bologna sandwich. And, and I mean, props to AA for sticking with those guys. I mean, Will Smith was awful all regular season. Didn't give up give up a run in the World Series. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So you're you're spot on with that wit. I mean, personally, I feel like the only reliever we had that was lights out pretty much the entire year was Luke Jackson. Going going into that last stretch, like maybe September. Uh, even Tyler Matzik. I mean, Tyler Matzik was really good, but I feel like it wasn't his best year. And then we get to the postseason, and Matzik's probably our best reliever. Will Smith is lights out. A.J. Minter comes in, he's lights out. Luke Jackson was pretty much lights out besides like two, probably two outings he had. Uh, the one against the Dodgers when he when he gave up the runs to Bellinger. And I think he had one more um, against the Astros where he put some guys on. I don't know if he ended up getting up runs or not. But besides that, dude, the bullpen, I think bullpen deserved uh, MVP for the World Series. If they could give it to him, they probably would have. Yeah, they 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 definitely deserved it. The other Matzik or the other Jackson game was also the Dodgers. It was Game Six, put yeah. runners on first and second. Matzik came yeah. in, struck out the side in a two run game, in the clincher. Yeah, because that was the same game. Uh, Luke Jackson was getting interviewed at the end of the game, and he was like, "I don't know what it's about the Dodgers, man. The Dodgers are just my daddy." He's like, "I just can't <laughs> get over the Dodgers." And he was like, "I'm just glad we're not playing them in the World Series." And he, I mean, he was great against the Astros. Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning. I think this World Series win means a lot more to I mean I know I know the Dodgers are you know baseball's golden child everybody loves the Dodgers the media loves them but but think about the way the Braves went about winning this World Series it was done in my opinion the right way they you know the Braves don't have a lot of money so they're not going to go out and pay all these players like the Dodgers do they they home grow their players and you know, the fan base gets to know and, and love these players. So that's why, you know, you see Braves country is all around the country. And that's why it was really loud when, when Solaris crushed that home run out of the park yesterday. The stadium didn't go quiet at all because there were a whole bunch of Braves fans there. And I just think because the Braves do it the right way, they homegrown their players. We get to know and, and love these players. So I, I love the Braves, man. The TBS effect is still real. There's a lot of people that grew up nationwide watching the Braves, and so they they stayed Braves fans, and now their kids are Braves fans. And they had an opportunity to watch them in the World Series. So it was really cool, though, to see how – I don't think I've ever seen an opposing uh, – an away team at a World Series represented like the Braves were last night. That was awesome. Well, and I'll say this, too. Hats off to the Braves organization for moving to Cobb County in that Smyrna area and for creating the battery because, honestly – I think Atlanta fans would have still been really hyped up for the World Series, but just having that battery and having that atmosphere and uh, the atmosphere that we have for every single game throughout the season, uh, I think that just upped it a complete different notch. Even like people traveling to games and stuff, I don't think we would have seen as much of that if we didn't have the battery, if we didn't move to Cobb County. Um, I think that really uh, helped the Braves organization take a huge turn. Yeah, and an unsung hero is going to be Alex Anthopoulos, I, I kind of alluded to this early, uh, a couple weeks ago um, when Ronnie got hurt. Yeah, it was it was horrible for the Braves because you know he 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 was going to 
probably win the, the MVP. But him getting hurt forced the Braves' management to go out and get players because this team this team was really close, and obviously we're 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 really close, just a couple uh, pieces, and. Alex Anthopoulos went out and got those players, those key players we needed, and we were able to win the World Series. That's like one of the cheaper World Series team builds you'll ever see. Yeah. Honestly, that was the great pickups, great bargains, and really great production. Yeah, and I was listening to uh, MLB radio this morning on the way to work, and uh, they were like, you know, now I know we just won the World Series, and I don't really want to talk about you know next season just yet, but they said something that, that, that struck home was like, the Braves have a great core. So... The, the, you know, even if we don't bring a lot of these players back, we could still end up picking up some players midseason, like a lot like we did this past year, because just we have a great core to build off of. Yeah, the core. I mean, you've got you've got Acuna and you've got Albies signed to long term deals. You've got Freed, who is really young. You've got Morton next year. Um, yeah. Hopefully, Soroka is able to come back next year and be healthy, uh, because. That's a that's a big piece down the road. Ian Anderson, this is a this was a big experience for him. I mean, throwing a no hitter through five innings in the World Series is no easy feat. Um, so then you've got Dansby in the middle infield, Austin Riley. Priority number one though has got to be bring back Freddie Freeman. Yeah, I mean throwing Austin Riley and Max Fried in that too, and I mean, I I, I mean Orlando's right. I mean the entire team's homegrown. Uh, obviously, we have guys like Charlie Morton we brought in as a, a veteran starter. Um, I thought to start the year, he was going to end up being our like number number four, maybe number three, maybe even number five starter on the team. And he ended up probably being either number one or number two. I mean, he was our World Series game one starter. Uh, he was the game one starter going into the playoffs. He was fantastic. And I mean, it was everything that Anthropolis does, every move he makes is brilliant. I would say the only thing he's done that did not help the Braves in any way is re-signing Ozuna this year. And that isn't even his fault because he couldn't have taken into account the fact that Ozuna was kind of a piece of crap. So, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it it is what it is like, but, but I mean, the moves he made at the deadline are just absolutely genius. Um, And it's funny because I feel like most people were screaming for bullpen help and we only signed one guy to the bullpen and he didn't even play in the postseason. Not a single bit. And he was good in the regular season, thank the Lord. I mean, he did a good job for uh, for filling in for AJ before we brought him back up. But, man, I mean, it's incredible to see what the Braves did this year with the guys we had. Um, and I really hope we keep these core pieces together for a really long time. How much of the roof being open last night do you guys think had to do with how that game went? I think the, I think the only difference was uh, uh, Solaire's home run would have hit the roof and probably put a hole in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean but the roof was closed i mean it's not like like the weather in atlanta friday and saturday was terrible i i think that it, yeah i definitely think it had an impact on the game because i mean quite frankly when you're houston and you're used to playing in 78 degree weather most of the time and you're in the al west so even your west coast swings are la arlington which is yeah also uh enclosed so i mean you don't have to worry about the bad weather and even in atlanta we don't play in the bad weather that often but i just feel like being used to being outside all the time helps yeah well what i was kind of getting at is uh houston had only opened their roof for their games if i'm not mistaken 
twice, three times this year. The uh, the first time was like early April, and then the second time wasn't until game game two of the World Series, and then obviously the third time was last night. So, you know, I Braves were clearly the better team. I mean, they won game two, so yeah, but but still, you know, hey, the Braves still put up runs. I know, I know, Mark. Uh, I know Mark keeps telling us, you know, don't don't start thinking about next year. Enjoy this year. But honestly, um, I'm I'm actually sad. Baseball season's over. Usually, once it gets around to October. I'm all in for college football, and obviously I am. I mean, we do this podcast to talk about college football, but man, I mean, just watching the Braves go through that run they just went through, getting to be there for a game on Saturday was just unbelievable. Being at the battery on Sunday, honestly, just being in the battery at the bar was honestly more fun than being in the stadium. Now, I mean, the experience was different. The experience was better being the stadium, obviously. But being in the battery, I mean, me and Lando ended up in like one of the best situations you could possibly end up. <laughs> it was the awesome. Battery. I mean, I mean, could not believe what happened. I mean, we literally just walked straight into the bar. We didn't win in any line whatsoever. And uh, <laughs> said, no did line. you not have a line? Was there, no, was there no really lines no at line? all. No lines at all. I think wow. I said that about was 90, no 90 times <laughs> on Saturday. I was, I was, there was no line. I, I, sh- I showed up and I told Lando, I was like, I'm going to take it slow. You know, I'm not really going to drink a ton. Man, yeah, I ass. drank a <laughs> lot. I drank. We were there from two. We probably sat down at three. We were there from three yeah. till like, what, 1230 to one? Yeah, about 1230. Something like that. So it was, I mean, it was seven, eight, nine hours. We sat the same spot drinking yeah. Miller Lite. Oh my goodness! Our boy Alex <laughs> just kept serving us up. Yeah, man, that was awesome. That was, and you know, honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't mad because I actually didn't break the bank when we went there. So you know, hey, I had a great time, and I also didn't spend a whole lot of money. Nah, I don't, I don't know if you uh, consider one hundred eighty dollars breaking the bank, but I don't think I, I didn't really feel like I spent that much either. I mean, counting food and stuff, I mean, that's not terrible. It could have been worse. I mean, I drank a lot. I mean, you drank more. Like, you drank more than I did, but that's because I, I drove. I, you drove, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. you drove me home. You probably could tell how, how <laughs> messed up I was. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I, I I came in and I went. I had to go to the bathroom, so I went in and I went upstairs and went to the bathroom and I knocked over like everything that was sitting on the counter was on the ground by the time I left the bathroom. I woke up the next morning and went and probably like what seven a.m. or whatever. Whenever I usually end up waking up. And I walked in there, and everything's just sitting on the ground. And I was like, what in the world did I do last night? But it was unreal. It was unreal. Incredible experience. Uh, yeah. You know, let's get there again next year. Let's see Acuna be on the team and win one. Healthy. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd Maybe be it's awesome. a good thing the Braves didn't win that night. I don't think Witt would have lived. If the Braves would have would have won Sunday night, I probably would have slept, slept in the battery, and I would have woken up in ashes. I already know exactly how I would have gone. I already yeah. had a plan. I'm actually not going to lie. I don't know what the heck we would have done if we would have won Sunday because that, that, it, it would have been hard not to get drunk. <laughs> I probably would have just ended up sleeping in the truck. I was about to say, I think me, <laughs> me and you probably would have passed out in the back of your truck. We would have, we yeah. I mean, or, or hell, I mean, even laying down on the, on the greenery in the battery. I would just, just take a, take a quick three-hour nap. Yeah, freeze to death. Hey, you've got that much alcohol in you, man. You don't even feel it. But hopefully Alex <laughs> would let us, maybe Alex would let us sleep behind the bar or something. <laughs> but, dude, it, it, it would have been crazy. But I mean, it probably honestly, probably a good thing we didn't win that game. Yeah. But we ended up going going home and, and getting some sleep. You know, even though I, I felt pretty bad, I wasn't there last night. Um, Lena, were you there Sorry. yesterday? No, I didn't go yesterday. I watched it at home. Watched it at home. Yeah, that's what I did yeah. too. And 
Um, I felt bad not being there. I, I saw a lot of videos. I saw a lot of pictures from people hanging out in the stadium or being in Houston. And um, I felt felt pretty bad about not being there. But also, it was kind of nice to just sit in front of the TV and uh, get to listen to every single play, you know, take it all in. Uh, getting to, I got pretty much the entire celebration on video because I'm just an absolute phone fiend last night. But yeah. it was it was really awesome. I, I feel like being in the stadium would be really cool. Being in the battery would be really cool, like when they clinch. But there's something to be said about being able to just sit here and watch all the post-game interviews and watch all the post-game yeah. celebration. Because I was going to ask, did y'all see uh, there's the video going around of Freddie going around hugging everybody, and he goes up to Acuna and he says, uh, we're going to do it with you next year, including himself in that. So... Freddie really wants to stay in Atlanta, and he made that very, very clear in all of the post-game interviews that he did. Even with Pedro, Pedro Martinez was, like, advocating. He was like, hey, Atlanta, don't let this guy leave. Like, you need this guy to be on your team next year, and moving forward, this guy is the best. I'm going to advocate for you, Freddie. And I was like, hey. The Braves are dumb, though. For not re-signing him much earlier because they just uh, he just added a few million a year to his contract. Yeah, well, I'm going to say Freddie better be on the team next year because I spent money on a Freddie Freeman World Series patch jersey. I so did he, too. He, he better he better be on he better be on the team. <laughs> I did too, and I, I think he will be too. I watched those interviews too, Matt, and I think he he said a couple things to me that made me feel like he wasn't super happy with the the whole situation. But I know I don't think he's gonna leave Atlanta. Like I just couldn't see him doing it, especially because he's got all his kids growing up here right now. Uh, Chelsea seems like she's really fitted into the community. I don't think she's gonna let him leave um, unless contract neg- negotiations just go so bad that they're just like, nah, we're this isn't this isn't gonna happen. But um, unless AA is just not allowed to spend m- as much money as he wants on because of Liberty Media on signing Freddie. I'd be very, very, very surprised if we did not pay him what he deserves. Very surprised. Liberty Media's got the pocket. I think. I think that Freddie's the exception to their not opening the pocket rule. Like you, you open the wallet for a guy that he is. He is the new chipper. Like he is this generation's Chipper Jones. I think the organization's going to keep him around until he wants to retire. That's my thing. I mean, like I. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, he, in my opinion, and I think people will fight me on it. I think he's a top. At least top fifteen player in baseball, maybe even top ten. Oh, he's and top ESPN ten. ESPN will never rank him up there. He's yeah. easily yeah. top ESPN, ten. ESPN won't rank him there. He's always like twenty five, or, or they'll throw Austin Riley or Acuna in front of him. And as, as good as I think Acuna is, I mean Acuna, and I think Acuna is probably top ten too when he's healthy. But Freddie, with the, the stability he's had with the team, the fact that he is consistently hitting over three hundred by the end of the year consistently hitting over 25 home runs, 30 home runs every single year. I mean, it just doesn't get better than Freddie Freeman for the Braves. Well, college football. I guess we can go ahead and talk about some college football. There were some rankings that came out yesterday. I am actually not upset. Oklahoma came in at eight. You know what? Honestly, we we look like an eighth ranked team in the country we Oklahoma doesn't play good on defense you know they 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 struggled against Kansas they struggled against Tulane it's just you know like hey I told my dad the other day 9-0 is 9-0 there's nothing we can really do about it just keep winning you know whatever the committee wants to rank Oklahoma is is whatever they're going to do but at, at the end of the day you gotta 
you got to really start beating these teams the way we know Oklahoma can play. But, you know, eight is not bad. Uh, I think Michigan State's a little too high. I don't know why Michigan State is three. Uh, Michigan, how, how are they ranked seven when they just lost? You know, Ohio State has a loss. Oregon has a loss. It, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what they did last night. I don't know. I don't know what they were drinking. It, honestly, I, I know Witt was pretty fired up about this last night. And I looked at it. But here's the thing. Like, Michigan State still has to play Ohio State. They still have to play Wisconsin, I believe, and then they still have the Big Ten Championship game on top of that. So you put them at three, and if they win, then they stay there or they jump up to two. If they don't win, that sets the stage for Ohio State to jump up and move up there. I think they still have to play Penn State, too. So, I mean, they've got the schedule that if they win out, they could they are the number three team in the country. But I think... It, to me, it doesn't. It just doesn't really matter. Like the first week rankings don't matter that much. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, with that. like they're there, and if they win, good. If they don't, and when they lose, then they fall. The like, like you said, these first rankings don't really matter. That's why I'm not too upset. But one thing that is clearly evident is Cincinnati will not be getting in. It's not happening. Yeah, I think a lot has to happen for Cincinnati to get in. I definitely think, um, and we can look through it too, I definitely think Alabama's going to have to lose to Georgia. Um, I think Ohio State, or actually I think Michigan State's going to have to win out because then that that goes ahead and puts Ohio State out of it. And then Oregon. Oregon, eh, Oregon could win out, could not win out. Either way, I mean, I think in the end, if Oklahoma wins out, they're going to get put in over Cincinnati. Um, I think if Oregon wins out, obviously they're already over Cincinnati. They could get put in over Cincinnati, Michigan State, Alabama, whatever. There's probably six teams, um, and they're ranked six, doesn't make sense, that would get in if everybody wins out to end the year over Cincinnati. And a lot of people are pretty upset about this. I'm really not. I mean, their only good win this year is over Notre Dame. They don't have a loss. And, yeah, they play SMU. They're probably going to have to play Houston, so they have a chance to add to their resume. But unless they just start blowing teams out, I don't think that they should be put in over a one-loss Power 5 team conference champion with a good win like Oregon um, over Ohio State or an undefeated Power 5 team like Oklahoma or honestly even uh, even Wake Forest too. I mean, you got to give them the credit though. You're you're saying, oh, it's just they, it's just a one a one a win over Notre Dame. It's a top ten win in the committee's eyes. Oh wait, but 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 is is Notre Dame really that good? Come on. According man. to the committee, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just saying in the committee's eyes, that's a top ten win. So it's a top ten. I say Notre Dame's <laughs> top ten this year. Like they're they're right a now. consistent they're a consistently decent team. Like they're not terrible, and it's on the road. I mean. It, it was a it was a really good win. Outside of that, though, they don't have they don't have a chance. Man, I, I really hate it for Cincinnati because, in a lot of ways, I'm like, hey, just just put them in. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But well, you but know, I I do have a take on the, these whole rankings. I feel like they wanted to get people to be mad about it because it helps push the agenda for a 12 team playoff. Yeah, I was going to say there's a couple of things that they changed from the AP poll, uh, which could have just been the AP poll saving its butt every week. There's a couple of teams that have just left the rankings completely, uh, being Coastal Carolina and UTSA. Both uh, Coastal has one loss, but they were still in the rankings pretty high for what they were. 
and then UTSA is undefeated, but they're not even in the top 25. That could just be the AP poll kind of saying, oh, we thought they were high, but we don't want to make ourselves look bad, so we'll still throw them in there until they fade out. But the I think the playoff rankings here are pretty good, pretty accurate for the most part. No, yeah, and, you know, back to the Cincinnati thing, I think what they're looking at is if Cincinnati were to play Georgia this year on a neutral setting, who'd win that game? Georgia. If they play Alabama, who'd win that game? Alabama. If they play Michigan State, you know, you see you see where I'm going with this. So that's why Cincinnati is where they are. Until Cincinnati starts absolutely destroying teams and looking somewhat as good as, let's say, Ohio State or Oregon right now, then, you know, they're going to stay where they are. See, I agree with you, but at the same time, if you did that with every team, if you put Georgia and Ohio State neutral site right now, Georgia would dominate that game. Georgia would beat pretty much everybody in the country pretty handily. So the difference there is is I think Georgia would dominate Cincinnati. I think Georgia would beat Ohio State, but I don't think they would dominate Ohio State. Oh, I think they would dominate. I think they would dominate Ohio State. I, I I don't I don't think they would dominate Ohio State. There, there, there's a huge difference between between beating somebody and absolutely dominating somebody. Like you you got you got to make that difference. Yeah, I mean we could, we could go on and on about that. Honestly, I think the only uh, the only issues I have with the rankings are kind of more towards the back end. I mean the top ten is okay. I don't really think Alabama should be two, but I also don't really see a team that I really think should be over them. Michigan State. I, I know Lando said he's kind of surprised they're at three. I'm kind of surprised they're not at two because they have a really good win over Michigan and they're undefeated and they play in the Big Ten. Um, but they're also, I mean, they've played close games against most of the teams they play. They were close against Nebraska. They were close against Rutgers. So it's not like a huge surprise to me that they're not over Alabama. I mean, and now, I mean, one of my bigger issues is the fact that Miss, uh, Mississippi State is ranked, which makes <laughs> absolutely zero sense to me. I, I have no I idea how how record. They're five they're, and they're three. They're seventeen. They're five and three, and they've lost to Memphis. They've lost what? to who? They lose. They lost to LSU by three. They lost to Memphis by two. Trying to think. Oh, and they lost to Alabama by forty. The, why? This is not the number seventeenth team in the country. This, no, the, it's that absolutely one in Wisconsin. They're I was giving looking them, at Wisconsin as well. They're giving them credit for the win over Kentucky. I think they're just given another reason to put Alabama at two. 40 point, <laughs> yeah. 40 point, forty point win over seven, over number seventeen Mississippi State. And I'm not saying like I, I don't think they're like trying to make it so where if Georgia and Alabama have a really close game and Georgia wins, they can put in a two loss Alabama because I don't think they're going to do that. Even though a lot I of think people think would. that is the reason. I don't think, I think they, they will. Would. It, it, a lot would have to happen for that to happen, in my opinion. Like if Cincinnati loses the game, they're out no matter what. They're not going to win them. If if Oregon wins, if Oregon loses another game, they're completely out. Okay, so so all right, so so wait, hear me out. So say in the SEC championship game, Georgia beats Alabama by by a safety. Okay, does does, does Alabama still get in? I say no. yes. They have two losses. Over who? Who else? Who else is? Well, who, who am well, I thinking from? Well, well, well. Clearly, clearly, uh, a one loss Alabama is 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 a two. So, so that's that's Let's saying look. a lot. Let- Let's look at this way. Okay. You so you're telling me that a two-loss Alabama SEC loser gets in over undefeated Michigan State with multiple top 25 wins. Or sorry, hold on. Let's go Georgia, Michigan State's in, Oregon's in. Um and then it would be between Cincinnati, undefeated Cincinnati, undefeated Oklahoma and two-loss Alabama. You think two-loss Alabama makes it in over un- undefeated Oklahoma and undefeated if- Cincinnati? 
if if Alabama I, if, if if Alabama dominates their schedule and then goes in and plays Georgia closer than anybody has played Georgia's entire season and loses by a safety, then yes. Matt, what do you think about that? Uh, see, 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 you, you, had to, you had to think about that, didn't you? I, I don't, I don't think that Alabama's in. I don't think two loss Alabama's in. Even, I think they'd consider it. They, I it think would, it would be considered. It would be, sure. it would be a debate if it was between. Okay, if it's between one loss Oklahoma, two loss Alabama, undefeated that, Cincinnati. That's, then, that's that's where I think it. That's where I think it could happen. That's where I think it could happen. I, I, but a yeah. lot has to happen for that. But you would, for you that would to there would have to, there would have to be a lot that went down for that. I don't, and I don't see that happening. And you got undefeated Wake. I think I, I, I think oh, undefeated Wake should be in over two loss Alabama. Oh, wow. I don't know if they would do that. No, I think they, they should be. The, well, you can see they clearly don't value the ACC at all. I mean, if they're lower, no. they're lower than they're lower than Cincinnati, and well, they're, un, they're an undefeated well, Power Five. We say that, but they got what one, two, three. They got three teams ranked in the ACC, and two of them are two loss teams. NC well, freaking State. Why the heck is NC State ranked nineteenth? They lost to they lost by one to Miami. What's Miami's record right now? They have a losing record. They're uh, four and four. Miami's trending a little better. They're better. But maybe Pittsburgh. You you're making the case now for why Mississippi State's ranked. Mississippi State has a no, win. I'm not. But but no, I'm saying NC State is so bad. They lost by fourteen to Mississippi State. Right. But they're but if they're at nineteen, if they're the nineteenth best Which team in the country. Be. And Mississippi State has a win over them, Texas A&M, and Kentucky. That's three top 25 wins for Mississippi State. Well, I know, but I'm saying NC State shouldn't be ranked. Kentucky should be ranked. They shouldn't be ranked 18. Okay. I'm okay. okay. Hold on. Let me, let me say this. I, I, I'm okay with Mississippi State being ranked. I understand what you're saying. They have some good wins, but they also have really bad losses. I'm just not okay with them being 17. That makes no sense to me. If they were 25 or 24 – that's cool. I get it. I understand. Like, I mean, they have like, like Kentucky's a good team. I know Kentucky's a good team, and they beat them by two touchdowns. Even though it was a close game, they ended up winning by two touchdowns. I get it. But Mississippi State at seventeen is just terrible. Of course, I don't think that's the worst one on there. I think Miss. I think Minnesota at twenty is one of the worst rankings I've ever seen <laughs> since the college football playoffs started doing a ranking. I mean, that they lost. They lost to Bowling Green, who only has three wins this year. And they and they have two lot. They're six and two. I mean, it's um. This is unbelievable. Like it makes no sense to me. Wisconsin. Why the hell is Wisconsin ranked too? Makes no sense. Iowa. Iowa shouldn't be ranked either. You should not be in the top twenty-five if you have a three in the loss column at this point in the season. That's almost half your wins. And Houston's not ranked. Why is Houston not ranked? Wait, I agree. Just, with, I agree oh, with dude. what you're. I agree with what you're saying. However, history has shown that the college football playoff committee values good wins. Over bad losses. That's and and it, that has all. It's always been that way, and it's basically a, a a formula that they plug all this into. String the schedule, game control, or whatever that is, and then they look at your your good wins. So I understand and I agree with what you're saying. But they don't look at Minnesota lost to Bowling Green. They look at their wins, and they say, "Oh, well, they beat this team." That that's the way the college football playoff committee works. Okay, let's look at Minnesota's wins: Northwestern, Maryland, Nebraska, Purdue, 
Colorado, Miami of Ohio. <laughs> Why do you say Colorado Huge, like that? Massive wins for Minnesota. <laughs> I, wow. I, I, I can't I can't defend I can't, <laughs> How I'm, are they not top ten? <laughs> I'm just I'm just I'm just telling you that that's that for I know for, I I, I know I know what you're saying. I'm not I'm not I'm not coming at you with, with saying that. I just think it's like like I, I think what they did is they literally just went on ESPN and looked at the standings for conferences and they were like, Oh, the Big Ten's pretty good. Minnesota's six and two. We'll just make them number twenty. We'll just put them at twenty. Let's just do that. Like it, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. It, this this does not make any difference at all. But it's just yeah. so dumb. And I thought about this too because I was like, we we talked about you know the whole reason that this was better than the BCS was because of the quote unquote eye test. Most of the people that are on this college pl- playoff committee are like of high importance, and there's no way. There is literally no way. That the people that have the status and jobs in which most of the people hold are watching 30 hours of film between Saturday and Tuesday at 7 p.m. So I think a lot of it is coming from formulas and what you just said. Hey, they're in the Big Ten. The Big Ten's not that bad. They're six and two. Cool. They're, they're, sounds like a number twenty team to me. And then like with w- Wisconsin, they're like, oh wow, they just they just dominated Iowa. And two weeks ago, Iowa was the number four team in the country. And that's the issue I I come to I've come to see like we're we're valuing these wins against ranked teams, but but you know like it, it only matters if the team is ranked right now. So if Iowa was ranked two weeks ago and and Wisconsin dominated them, it it, it doesn't matter. So uh, you know th- that's why. I, Sometimes I don't really agree with it with with these rankings because well, it just doesn't make sense. And to let's me. look at this too, Matt. I know you were saying you know they value good wins over good losses. Over Wisconsin bad losses. is over bad losses. Sorry, Wisconsin's twenty one. Wisconsin lost to Penn State. They both had the same amount of losses. Penn State beat Wisconsin. Penn State beat Iowa. Penn State played Ohio State close. They beat Auburn, who is what 12, 13? Uh, they had a close Ow, loss to Auburn. Iowa only because their quarterback got hurt. I mean, the only reason they're not ranked in front of Wisconsin is because they lost to Illinois, which would be they value the bad loss more than the good win, as in the head-to-head win, which also doesn't make sense because they value the head-to-head win with Oregon and Ohio State. It's it's all over. This is the first time I've seen rankings come out, and I have no idea what they're looking at. They they literally just threw a ranking together. Top 10, I could see them having some kind of list they were looking at. From, there, from then – on maybe top 15 from then on it's literally just names on the paper they might as well put georgia southern in the top 25 oh oh are we gonna talk <laughs> about georgia southern because uh <laughs> something something big happened clay helton baby clay helton i am really excited about this hire yeah, i think it's a great move i think it's a good hire i mean why th- is it not a great hire why is it just a good hire i, I don't know i'm i'm gonna go on the safe side and be like i think it's a, a, a I have nothing wrong with the hire. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a good hire. I think I'll say I'll say this kind of in Matt's – I kind of agree with Matt in a sense. I think it's a really exciting hire. I think it's going to be really, really, really good for recruiting. The fact that Georgia Southern can say our head coach won a Rose Bowl as a head coach and he's won at least one Pac- Pac-12 championship. He should have won two last year. Um, but – and also, it's kind of a weird feeling because I feel like a lot of times when guys that coach in group of five come to, or guys that coach in power five come to group of five, 
The better ones are the guys like Lane Kiffin where they failed and they go become a coordinator and they're trending up and then they take a group of five head coaching job. Clay Helton had the head coaching job at USC and he's kind of trending down and he took the Georgia Southern job. And I'm not saying I think he's going to be a bad. I think he's going to do really well because I think um, like our AD said kind of in the in the intro, he wanted a CEO. I think Clay Helton is a really good CEO of a football team and I think he's a good guy. So I don't think he's going to come in and just not really care about Georgia Southern, not care about Statesboro. I think he's going to fit to the culture really well. Um, but it's, I'm, ver- I'm a little skeptical, but I'm also very, very, very excited. I'm just glad we're changing the offense more than anything. If we, yeah, as, at the least, that's what you do is you change the offense up. You kind of do a little transition period so that even if you have to get rid of this guy, the next guy can come in and it's not such a hard break. You can kind of move away from what, what you guys have always been wanting, moving away from triple option. So you can be successful. And and my thing is is what we see from a lot of these power five coaches that, that fail at a at one of these big schools, when they come to a school like Georgia Southern and they ball out, lots of good comes from that. And even after say say if Clay Helton comes to Georgia Southern and uh he's there for three years, he balls out and Georgia Southern's a really good football program, the next coach that comes in is is still gonna benefit from what Clay Helton did for at least the next year, year and a half, you know, next yep. two years. So, you know, I, you know, long term, it may not be a great hire, but I think in the short run, I think I'd much rather have this than what we're having now, just waddling in mediocrity. I'd, I'd much rather have three, three to five great years of Jordan Southern football. Yes, yeah, so Orlando, he signed a, a five year, $800,000 a year deal. So that that's a lot of recruiting classes to get in. Right. That, that's a full clean sweep. And, and then one. But see, that's why I like to Witt's point. That's why I say it's a good hire. I feel like it, this is kind of in that not completely comparable, but similar to a Gus Malzahn to UCF kind of hire, where this is a guy who's had a lot of success. He had he's one of the only coaches in the SEC that can say he's beaten Nick Saban multiple times. He has been to the SEC championship. He's been to a national championship. He goes to UCF, and he is struggling. So on paper, when you're UCF, you say, hey, this is a great hire. We're getting Gus Malzahn. It's a flashy name. It's a name that a lot of kids are going to know. And maybe it'll be a good hire in the long run. We don't really know. See, Matt, that's a good analogy. I think the only difference between this and Gus Malzahn is Clay Helton is a gimmicky. Gus Malzahn has exactly. like he has a gimmicky offense. He's got to have the right guys for the offense, and they they weren't great before Dylan Gabriel got hurt. But once he did get hurt, that whole that whole team changed. It was completely different. Um, I am much 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 higher on Clay Hilton as a group of five head coach than I am Gus Malzahn, mostly because of the fact that like UCF, you can recruit really well there. I think Georgia Southern can recruit just as well as UCF can if we change the offense and start to really dominate the Sunbelt like I think we should. If we can dominate the Sunbelt, get into like a spread style offense, kind of like yes. how Coastal Carolina is doing with the RPOs. And Clay Helton is a big RPOs guy too. So if he can get that going, man, Georgia just has so much talent just waiting to be picked up. And another thing is, is Clay Helton is not going to be coming by himself. I am more than positive dude's going to be bringing some of these guys he coached with at USC or these other Power 5 schools he's coached at before as assistant coaches to Georgia Southern. So we're going to be getting a lot of this 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 good coaching coming to Georgia Southern. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I'm going to make sure I get to a couple games next year for Georgia Southern. Oh, <laughs> me too, for sure. 
Does that mean that Ed Orgeron comes to be the D-line coach at, at Georgia Southern with oh, with his God. former buddy Clay Helton? Uh, I don't know, man. I think he has, he has, he has a little too much baggage. Edo Edo is a DC or something would actually be pretty solid at Georgia. Would that be dope? He's a, he's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal recruiter. Mia would lose her mind too. <laughs> I can't stand the guy personally, but hmm. no, I, I wonder why. I wouldn't I wouldn't want him on the coaching staff. <laughs> but either way, let's go ahead and move on to our pour one out. Cut him off, Matt. Who are you pouring one out for this week? So this week, I'm pouring one out for Snit. Snit has been in the Braves organization for 46 years. Uh, he has been at literally every level, played in the organization, took over as a coach, started as a minor league instructor, became a minor league manager, worked his way up, was the third base coach for a few years, got sent back down to the minors to be a manager, finally got his shot as an interim manager with the Braves in 2016, did an awesome job, was given the full-time managerial position in 2017, and, uh, Never really looked back. Four straight division titles, a World Series championship. Uh, and from every account, from all the players, they love playing for him. He's a great guy, and he's done a really good job. Even in the – there was times this year where a lot of people, myself included for the first time ever, gave him a little heat for maybe leaving guys in too long on the, on the mound or not pushing the right buttons. But uh, – you know, he, he did a phenomenal job this year, uh, and, and I think that he's a great guy to continue the leadership of that Braves clubhouse moving forward. <clears throat> so I am pouring one out for Brian Snicker. And this week, I am cutting off analytics because Lane Kiffin decided multiple times in a game against Auburn that the analytics, you know, go for it on fourth down here without his top three receivers, without his number one running back, with two offensive linemen that are starters injured, he was going to go for it on fourth down in field goal range. And instead of making it a one-score game, it keeps it a two-score game. Corral was playing at like maybe 70% because both of his ankles are injured. Uh, he hurt his right ankle, which is his push-off ankle, his plant foot. So just not a great look for analytics in that game. I know that Kiffin lives and breathes and dies by him, but I feel like that was a little excessive. So I am cutting off analytics. Uh, I still think Lane Kiffin's a good coach. I just feel like sometimes he overthinks and overplays the analytics in an effort to get a win uh, rather than assessing and going with his gut. So uh, that's who I'm cutting off this week and Lando. So per usual, I'm going to use this segment to – talk racing this sunday is the last race of the nascar season uh so i'm going to pour one out for the gen 6 car this is going to be the last time we see the gen 6 car on track um this car has given us a lot of good seasons lots of good races uh this past these past couple years haven't really been that great because they've tried to change the rules package and i think the racing hasn't been that great but the first couple years were awesome uh kevin harvick won his first championship in 2014 in the gen 6 car so you know uh it's it's time for change, uh, but the Gen 6 car has done us a lot of good, so uh, pouring one out for that. And I am cutting off the season coming to an end because things are starting to heat up, man, because there's lots of lots of people getting mad at each other, lots of robberies starting. You got Harvick, Chase Elliott. You got uh, Denny Hamlin calling, uh, what's his name, Alex Bowman a hack. 
you know, it's just, just things are getting really good, and I really hate to see NASCAR come to an end on Sunday because, you know, it's just always a fun time watching races. So um, cutting off season coming to, coming to an end. Whit. Yeah, Lando, I'm super excited. This will be my first year watching the uh, NASCAR championship race uh, in Phoenix. Very excited to watch it this Sunday. Um, but I'm going to be pouring one out for my boy Maddox sitting over there on Matt's shoulder. Uh, so far, he is undefeated in Braves uh, postseason. <laughs> so he, he's never seen the Braves lose in the postseason, lose the series. So I'm proud of him for that, and hopefully we keep the streak going. And I'm also going to pour one out for Jorge, who is the name of my unborn son after Jorge Soler drove those uh, huge home runs in the World Series. Game four, he had a massive home run that won the game for us, and he had the huge three-run home run uh, in game six. Pretty much put us in a in a place where we could kind of coast to a finish and win the World Series. So, uh, pouring out for Maddox and his future best friend, my little boy Jorge. And I'm cutting off anyone who does not like the city of Atlanta. I know a lot of people who don't want to live in Atlanta, want to move out, live somewhere else. I live in Nashville, and I love it. Nashville is awesome, but there's just something different about the city of Atlanta, the atmosphere that's in Atlanta, with the Hawks being as good as they were. Last year, making that run with the Braves being as good as they've been uh, this year, winning the World Series, uh, even with Georgia being good right now. There's just so much electric atmosphere um, in Atlanta. The fan base is unbelievable. Um, Besides the Falcons, they're terrible. Besides that, though, (laughs) (laughs) the city of Atlanta is just awesome. It's awesome. And uh, I can't wait to move back in about a month or so. So uh, cutting off anybody who hates the city of Atlanta. Keys, you probably went out for I'm kind of going to keep that rolling. I'm I'm pouring one out for just Atlanta fans in general. Just the battery, just people showing up, man. There was a ton of people in the battery every night, even weeknights. Uh, they opened up the stadium for the watch party for that last game, and people packed out the lower level. It was full. The battery was full. So Atlanta fans for the Braves, and they also traveled really well to Texas. So that was that was awesome to see and, and see all the people that stayed after for the presentation. But not just Atlanta baseball fans. I mean, like you said, the, the Atlanta fans this year for the Hawks, the Braves, we'll, we'll call it Georgia, Atlanta, I guess, because the Georgia Tech's no good. Uh, yeah, like you said, with the exception of the Falcons, if we could get them on board with the program, you got Atlanta United, which has some of those electric atmospheres in, I'll just say in soccer in general, just an electric atmosphere. So Atlanta fans have had an incredible year for sports, aside from the Falcons. So pour them out for them. They're having an awesome year, and they're showing up. And I'm cutting off, it's probably one of the sadder stories in sports this week, I'm cutting off Henry Ruggs, uh, who was involved in a, well, he wasn't involved, he caused a DUI crash that uh, resulted in the the death of uh, Tina Tintor. So prayers go out to, obviously, her and her family. It's uh, just honestly just super irresponsible for Henry Ruggs, and, and now he has to deal with the consequences of that. And with all the resources, aside from just money, with all the resources you have available to you, um, someone earlier was saying that NFL players have access to ride programs, rideshare programs, and and chauffeurs and things of that nature. So, with all of these resources available to you, why are you driving with a blood alcohol content over two times the legal limit? That's just ridiculous and extremely irresponsible. And unfortunately, there's a fatality because of it. So, obviously, got to cut that one off. Don't drink and drive, kids. Do not drink and drive. As a former police officer, do not drink and drive. You will go to jail. You will go to jail. Way to bring the vibes down, Keys. Bring the vibes way Sorry, down. Sorry, man. You know, take the negativity. Well, we're going to bring it right back up. We're going to get into our locks. Matt, who's your lock this week? Oh, 
let Lando go first. I haven't even looked. <laughs> I've been so I've been so locked in with the Braves. I haven't even looked. <laughs> how about, how about you, you just do do a lock that you know you're going to show up to the parade or something Friday? <laughs> uh, I would, but uh, I don't think I'm going to make it. Unfortunately, no, just quit your job. That's what I'm planning on doing. Who needs a job? Uh, yeah, who needs a job? <laughs> Me. <laughs> after, after all the money I spent last I about night. Say, after, yeah, after all the money I spent on merch, I better have a job. Uh, I better have a job. I better have a job, real good job. Oh, man. My lock of the week is going to be Georgia over Missouri. My dad's not going to like this pick because obviously he's a Missouri fan. But let's just be honest. This game's going to be a blowout. So Georgia over Missouri, huge. So I am taking West Virginia to go back-to-back weekends with an upset over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The game is in Morgantown, and I've said it all year, Morgantown is not an easy place to go in and win. You saw West Virginia go to Norman and play Oklahoma really well. Obviously, that was pre-Caleb Williams. Uh, But West Virginia is not a bad team. So, Oklahoma State going to Morgantown. That place is going to be electric. They just beat Iowa State last week. Um, I like the I like the plus three and a half. I think this is going to be about a three point game. So give me West Virginia plus three and a half uh, with Oklahoma State coming to them. That's my lock of the week. Wit. Matt, I almost took that one too. I was looking at it earlier and I was like, God, West Virginia just seems like one of those teams that they play up to their competition and then down to their competition. Um, and someone else that's been doing that is Arkansas. And Arkansas plays Mississippi State this weekend in Arkansas. I think this is Arkansas's bounce back game, especially with Mississippi State being ranked 17. I feel like they're going to come into this game going like, oh, we're we're ranked. Look at us. Oh, we didn't lose to Memphis earlier this year. And then they're going to get beat by Arkansas. Um, so I got Arkansas. I think they win. I think they cover. Um, I think Mississippi State hopefully will be out of the rankings and I don't, I don't have to be all pissed off about it anymore. So, Keys, who's your lock? It's my lock of the week is Kentucky and Tennessee. So, I actually think that Kentucky is kind of trending down, um, kind of ever since the loss of Georgia. And Tennessee, even though they're still losing games, are kind of trending up. The last loss was against Alabama. It was kind of a beatdown. But I think they're overall trending up. So, I actually think Tennessee is going to pull this one out. I think they win by five. Hey, that was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. Yes, it was. That'll be a good game. I think another good game will be our first game of our picks of the week. Uh, We have Coastal Carolina heading into Paulson Stadium as a 20-point favorite, taking on our Georgia Southern Eagles. Matt, who are you picking? I think the the Clay Helton hire being announced is going to get people pretty yoked to be going into Paulson. I think Paulson's going to be loud. So I like Georgia Southern to cover, but I like Coastal to win. Uh, Just because even though Coastal's not as good as they were last year, Georgia Southern is really really down this year so i'm i'm gonna take southern to cover i don't think that you come into paulson and you win by more than 20 uh especially with the energy that i think is going to be back in that place this weekend but i don't think georgia southern has the schemes or the talent to really beat coastal this weekend uh well obviously i never pick against georgia southern but i mean this game coastal carolina is is really good so i'm gonna go georgia southern by a blocked punt and an extra point. I'm with Lando. Power of Paulson. Georgia Southern's going to be real hyped up after the hire of Clay Helton. Um, he's already in the building. Actually, I don't. I mean, he's not allowed to coach, so he's not really doing anything with the team. But he's in the building. The players are also in the building. We'll see what happens uh, on Saturday. But I'm going to say Georgia Southern. 
squeaks out the upset. I don't think Coastal Carolina is that physical. I think Georgia Southern's way more physical than they are. Uh, with good play calling, I think we could have been a pretty good team this year, um, especially on offense. So I'm going to take us to win in a very, very tight game and a huge, huge, huge upset in the Sun Belt. And it might be the last game Georgia Southern wins this year. I was about to say, I think that Lando not ever picking against Georgia Southern is going to be kind of heartbreaking the next couple of weeks, especially with BYU yeah. coming up soon. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, BYU will be a tough one. You know, they're another team. I, I don't know how they're ranked 15, but you know what they are, and they're coming into Paulson. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll be playing them. But we'll go ahead and move on to our next game. we got number five, Ohio State at Nebraska. Ohio State is a 15-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I've got Ohio State here. I think Ohio State's offense is starting to click. You're starting to see CJ Stroud get some uh get get some attention for some Heisman candidacy here. Uh so I, I think Ohio State rolls in this one. I like them to win and cover. I got Ohio State big. Uh, Nebraska, they're a physical football team, but they're just not there yet. They're not on Ohio State's level, so I got Ohio State. See, I got Ohio State too, but I think Nebraska is one of those teams that plays up to their competition. They played really well against Michigan State this year. They played really well against Michigan, and they played really well against Oklahoma too. So I think they're going to play really well in this game. I think they're going to cover, but I do think Ohio State's going to win. Um, I think this is kind of a Nebraska trying to keep Scott Frost around game too. Um, it's in Lincoln, uh, but I got Ohio State and Nebraska to cover. Uh, moving on to our next game, we got number nine undefeated Wake Forest. Uh, taking on UNC. UNC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Wow, over undefeated Wake Forest. Matt, who you got? I'm actually kind of surprised North Carolina's favored. I, North Carolina has not shown me any sign that they are very good football team this year. And Wake Forest is Wake Forest. So on paper, I guess name brand-wise, that's why UNC's favored. Uh, I actually think I, I'm going to pick UNC in this one solely because I think Sam Howell is going to be the difference. I know that he hasn't played phenomenally well all year, um, but I don't really think it's been all his fault either. I don't think they have a lot around him, but I think this is one of those games they're going to come in hyped up for. It's an in-state rivalry type of thing. I wouldn't say it's probably a really big rivalry, but it is an in-state game. Um, so I think North Carolina is going to be juiced up for it. And uh, I like the Tar Heels to pull off the upset, even though they're favored. So, uh, yeah, I like them to win by three. Mm, I think I'm the only one that's going to be going with Wake this week. I'm going to go with Wake in a close one. I'm going, to go in, I'm going with UNC, and I'm going to tell you guys why. Hold on. Old Dominion, Norfolk State, Florida State, Virginia, Louisville, Syracuse, Army, Duke. These are all the teams that Wake Forest has played this year. Not a single one of them plays offense at all. None of them have a good offense. They have some of them are, are kind of decent. You know, I give them a little bit of credit, but they're they're not good. They don't have a guy like Sam Howell throwing the ball. They don't have a guy like Josh Downs catching the ball on offense. So I think this will be a shootout. I would. This is my take the over game of the week. If you guys are still keeping track of that. Um, I think this is like a 62 to 58 type game, uh, but I got UNC to win in a shootout, mostly just because they're at home. Uh, if this was in Wake Forest, I probably would take them. Sam Hartman has been unbelievable this year, uh, but I'm going to take Howell and I'm I'm going to go ahead and pick the Tar Heels. Uh, moving on to our next game, we got Hugh Freeze's return to the Grove. We got Liberty coming into Oxford to take on number 16 Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Matt, who you got? I'm really curious to see how healthy Ole Miss is. I know as of yesterday, or not yesterday, Monday, Lane Kiffin said that if they were to play 
that day. They would be without Matt Corral. They would be would be without their top three receivers, and they would still be without uh, two offensive linemen. That's a lot for that Ole Miss offense to have down. And then with Malik Willis and Ole Miss's defense playing one really good half of football and one half of non-existent football, I think Ole Miss wins this game. And the only reason I'm picking Ole Miss is because UMass had like 250 yards of rushing on Liberty's defense. So Liberty's defense cannot stop the run at all. Uh, Ole Miss is going to feed Snoop Connor. They're going to feed Jerry and Ely. They're going to feed Henry Parrish. And I think they're going to win this game by 10 to 14. Uh, Hugh Freeze is going to come to spoil a party in Oxford, though. Um, so expect Liberty to come out hot. But I like I like Ole Miss by 10 to 14. Yeah, I'm going to go with Ole Miss just because yeah, they're they're a power for school. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Ole Miss, too. I think Liberty comes out early and uh, takes a little bit of a lead, maybe goes up like 21 to nothing. And everybody's like, oh, here, here comes the upset. Hugh Freeze is going to get the upset. And then – uh, the depth is going to set in, and the defense is going to get tired, and Matt Corral is just going to take advantage of them. I think it's going to be a um, – I'm with Matt, maybe a 14-20 to 20 point game in the end. I think Malik Willis will have a really good day, um, as he's had pretty much all year. But I don't think Liberty's that good of a football team. Um, as good of a head coach as I think Hugh Freeze is, I think his mind is on leaving as soon as he can. Once somebody will give him a chance at a job. So I, I got Ole Miss here by at least two touchdowns. And moving to our next game, we got another Big Ten trap game. Number three, Michigan State is a three-point favorite, taking on Purdue, heading into Purdue uh, this weekend. Matt, who you got? Kenneth Walker III is a difference maker. That kid is a baller. Michigan State is going to lean on him, and they're going to win this game. I think Purdue had their one big win of the year when they absolutely dominated Iowa, Um, but Purdue is still Purdue, and I think Mel Tucker has Michigan State playing really, really well. I think uh, Michigan State wins this one. I'm going to go by like you know somewhere seven to ten range. Though Michigan State doesn't have the type of offense to blow you out, and that you can see that up and down their schedule. But they're good enough to win football games, and and that's what matters. So I like Michigan State to win it. Ah, uh, Michigan State. Even though I want them to lose, I got Michigan State. I almost picked Purdue, and honestly, if Purdue didn't beat Iowa, I would have picked Purdue. But I don't see Purdue having two of these upsets in one year. And I think Michigan State has too many good skill players on offense. I think their defense is too physical for Purdue. Um, So I got Michigan State. I think they're going to win in cover. I think it's going to be a tight game until probably the fourth quarter, but then I think Kenneth Walker will score his 11th touchdown and uh, win the game. Let's go ahead and move on. We got one of our SEC games of the week. We got... LSU heading into number two, Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Alabama's a 28-and-a-half point favorite. Matt, who you got? Bama. Going into this game, the last time that Ed Orgeron was in Tuscaloosa was in 2019, and we all saw the locker room video that came out after that. And I think that even though there's a lot of players that are gone from that 2019 team, there's a lot that are still there. There's a lot that have a lot of hate. And they want to – it's it's like a – even though last year was kind of the revenge game, this is the real revenge game. It's going to be at home. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if if Alabama uh, played had, – had, was spotty. Because this year, the, 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 the tough thing with Alabama is they're so inconsistent within a game. Tennessee, prime example, 
one minute it's a seven point game, two minutes later it's a twenty eight point game, but played sloppy, a lot of penalties. So wouldn't be surprised if, if LSU kept it close for a little bit and then Alabama just blows the doors off of them. Shocker. Roll tide. Yeah, it's gonna be Bama big. Bama easy cover, huge win. Um, I mean pretty much all of LSU's players are hurt anyway, so um I got Alabama real big. Going to our next game. This is our game of the week, even though ESPN is going to Cincinnati Tulsa, which I think we all would have picked Cincinnati, except for maybe Lando with the little Tulsa bias. But uh we're we're gonna pick this game. We're, <laughs> we're picking number thirteen Auburn. Uh, heading into College Station to take on number 14, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Matt, who you got? So I like Texas A&M in this game solely because it's a home game. If this game was being played on the Plains, I would pick Auburn. Um, Auburn's a good team defensively. Bo Nix is not that bad. Um, this Auburn team is a, is a little different than what they were under Malzahn. They're not as gimmicky. They're a little more predictable in the sense that they've been pretty consistently the same all year long. Uh, A&M's defense is decent, but I, I like I, – and, and Auburn's defense is pretty good because it's in Kyle Field, Edge Aggies, the Battle of the Colts, and I think that uh, Colt, the Colt in College Station, Texas, is going to come out on top. But I, I think this is going to be like a three- to seven-point game. Yeah, I think it's going to be really close. I like the way Texas A&M is looking, so I'm going to go with Texas A&M. Yeah, this is a close game for me, too. I wanted to pick Texas A&M for a while, um, but I just think Auburn's been playing too good this year. I could see them looking ahead to that Bama game since now, especially being ranked 13, they know they have a shot to make the college football playoff if they can win out, beat Bama, uh, go to the SEC championship, knock off Georgia since they still have a chance to make the SEC championship, only having one SEC loss. Um, but I think Auburn's going to win the game. I think they're a really good team. I think Brian Harson has done a really good job with them this year. Um, they have a lot more talent than people think they do. Um, A&M obviously has more talent. Jimbo's done a really good job recruiting there. Uh, but I don't trust uh, Calzada at all. I think he's only had one really good game this year, and it was against Alabama. And I still think that's due to black magic. I don't think that's due to any kind of talent from Zach Calzada himself. Um, so I'm taking Auburn. I think Bo Nix has a really good game on the road, and uh, I think they win by three to seven. So in a really tight game, I'm with Matt, but on the opposite end. So I got the uh, I got the Plainsman Tiger Eagles to win this one. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our channel on Spotify, and give us a follow on our Instagram at AroundTheKeg and on Twitter at AroundTheKegPod. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.